I want to talk to you about going through it. Anybody ever been through it before? Going through it to glory. That's the title of my message. Going through it to glory. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. But what will you give God at the end of your life? What will you offer up to God? You know, the Bible says there's a moment where we'll all get up to heaven and, and we'll offer what we've earned and what we've done and we'll give it to Him. And uh, what will you, at the end of your life, I want you to think about it just for a minute, what will you be offering God when this is all said and done? Uh, you know, so I have young kids, and when they want to buy something for their mom or for one another, guess who does the buy-in? On right here, right? Uh, it's, that's kind of the role of the parent in that moment. So, if, you know, it's kind of, I have this picture I want to paint to you that it's like this. So if my kids want to buy something for their mom, what do I do? I take them with me to the store. Now, they can't reach the aisle sometimes. They don't have the credit card to pay for the item. And probably if they were to go by themselves, someone would call the police and, and it wouldn't be bad. You know, they'd go to child services or something. But they need someone to go with them through this process to pay. They don't have any money. They need to use dad's bank account to pay for that item. And so they, they need me to help give their mom some glory. And so what happens is I get to enjoy in this process. I, I go with my kids. They're in me. They go in the car with me. They, I walk down the aisle. We pick out a gift, uh, and I take it back to the cash register. I use my credit. I use my, my power, my authority to buy that gift. And then we go home, and we go to mom. And what do they do? They offer, hey, mom, here's what I bought for you right? Hey, mom, here's what I bought for you. But mom knows that dad bought the gift, right? But what happens in that moment is they get to glory that they got to purchase something for their mom. And then what happens? Their mom's like, oh, baby, I love you, you know, and she gets to glory in them. And then here I am. I get to glory in this whole process, right? Because that's, that's a good father. I get to glory in all of this, you know, and that's really what you and I are about to do with God. When heaven comes down and we go up and this whole thing is summed up in Jesus, the Bible says that the glory of God is going to be revealed. And what is glory? Glory is the weighty value of His presence. Glory is the presence, like gold. It's the weighty value. And the glory of God in Scripture is shown in majestic splendor. It is His high, exalted, royal position. And it shines. It tangibly shines. The Bible says that when the glory of God came on the mountain with Moses, it came in a cloud of fire. That the glory was so tangible, so weighty, the presence shook the foundations of the mountain. And it was so powerful that even, even animals couldn't go up the mountain or they die. People go up the mountain, they die. And in Solomon's day, the glory filled the temple and the priests couldn't go in it. And the Bible says that Jesus showed us a tangible presence of God too. That Jesus came down and we beheld His glory. Glory as that of the Father, full of grace and truth. And we felt the tangible, and we, we learned that day the value of the presence of God. That God is God with us. And there's some value to have God with you. Somebody say amen. There's value in this life to have God with you. It's, his presence is like gold. His presence is like uh, something that uh, David says, my, my soul pants for the brooks to be near his presence. My soul thirsts for the presence of God. There's value in it. And in that day, like I did with my girls, we've seen the value of the presence of God. There's coming a day 
You see, I couldn't purchase any value to give to God. I had no money purchasing power with God. God deserves the glory. He deserves the honor. And there's nothing I could ever do to give God glory. I don't have the money enough. He's, the, he's got the weight of the gold of heaven. His presence is so valuable. What could I do? What store could I go to to buy anything for him? So what did I have to do? I had to have Jesus go to the store with me. I had to have him go to the store with me. I had to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I've got nothing to offer my Father in heaven, and I'm going to go with you to this place called the cross, and on the cross you're going to purchase all the glory that I could ever give my Father, and I'm going to go to that place with you, and I'm going to go down into death with you, and I'm going to come up to new life with you, and there's coming a day where I'm going to go up to heaven with you, and I'm going to go to my Father and say, Daddy, here's what I've got for you you. I've got some glory to give to you. And Jesus is going to step back and watch the whole process. And God knows where that glory came from. And I know where that glory came from. But we're going to all glory together in this wonderful embrace of love. That it's all about us being in Jesus. Do you understand this morning? That's where all this is heading to. And I know that in this moment, some of you are going through the fire. Some of you are going through tests and trials and tribulations. That I'm going to tell you something. Jesus went to the cross for you. And as long as you can go through it in Jesus, everything is going to come out from glory to glory. You're going to give God glory through this process. What's going to happen in these coming days, as you see this thing going dimly and things getting harder and it's hard to be a Christian and it's hard to hold fast and it's hard to have a holy marriage, it's hard to have a holy heart, it's hard to raise children in this day. You're going through the fire, but let me tell you something, you're going through it with Jesus. If you want to go to God and give God something, you've got to go to that store with Jesus. You've got to let Jesus purchase something for you. I just believe in this day, that store we're all headed to is a tested and tried life. It's a place of the cross. And in times and seasons, you and I in this church, in this day of tribulation, we're going to have to go through the fire. And God's going to refine us, and Jesus is going to give us, out of this process, some gifts. He's going to give us some gifts to give glory to the Father. But I want you to know, as long as you're in Jesus, you're going to gain some glory to give God. What are you willing to go through in this life to gain glory to give God? I've been asking myself that question for the last two weeks now. What are you going, what are you willing to go through? What are you willing to walk through in this life? Say, God, I'm going to go through that. And I know I'm going to go through it in Jesus. And on the other side of it, Jesus is going to give me some glory to give my Father. My daughters had to go to the store with me. That's okay. I purchased it. I went with them. We went together. As long as you go through things in this life in Jesus and with Jesus, He's already paid the price for you to give glory to God. Amen? Amen. Look with me in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Let's just pull this out and break it out again a little bit more. What are you willing to go through to gain glory to give God? Peter is in a uh, season in his life. His life is soon to wrap up. He's going to write 1 Peter and 2 Peter, and 
then he's going to be, be uh, sorry, he's going to be crucified upside down. And uh, that time and season is coming. There's a time of testing in Rome and, and people are losing, beginning to lose their jobs and not being able to go to the marketplace and buy and sell goods and they're getting ridiculed and made fun of and they can feel the pressure is about to be on. It's not the full-blown persecution yet, much like what we feel in the world today, but it's about to be on. And he's, he's challenging his church. I know who you are. You need to know who you are, and you need to know who Christ is, and you need to know who you are in Christ, because if you're going to go through the fire, you need to go through it in Him, because there's going to be a great reward for those who go through suffering and trials and tribulations in Christ. You're going to have to endure some things in this life, but you're going to gain so much more when glory is about to be revealed. And the question he's asking them to ask themselves is, are you willing to go through it to gain it? What are you willing to go through in this life to give glory to your Father? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, he says, do not be surprised at the fiery. Somebody say fiery. Fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing as though something strange were happening to you. But the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that at the revelation of His, what? glory, you may also rejoice and be overjoyed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed because of the spirit of what? Glory and of God rests upon you. Now we're going to come back to that. Look in chapter 5, verse 5 now. We'll pull this out. Now God, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time. Have cast all your cares, all your anxiety on him because he cares about you. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience of suffering are being accomplished by your brothers and sisters who are in the world. And after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who's called you to His eternal, what? Glory in Christ, will Himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To Him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. What are you willing to go through to give God glory? What are you willing to go through in Christ to give God glory. I'm going to give you three things. He says, you're going to go through the fire. Number one, you're going to go through a fire. There was a roar. He says, Satan is like a lion. There was a roar that was about to come. Uh, you could hear the rumblings of this roar. A persecution was coming up in Peter's day. And he said, there may become a refining fire. He says, this is a testing of fire. There may be something coming that's about to put you through the fire, Peter says. But I want you to know something. Number one, don't be surprised when tests and trials show up. And literally, the Greek says, like an unannounced guest. It's like, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this. He says, literally, don't be surprised when the testing and trials of life come at you like an unannounced guest. And some of us, it's like, you know how you are in the South now. The South used to be this tea on the front porch thing, but now what we do is we like peeking out the window. Somebody knocked on our door. Just pretend you're not home. Turn off Netflix real quick. We're in our pajamas, right? I mean, that's where people do today. We're like, that's an unannounced guest. I don't know who it is. Uh, I, the unannounced part, we're taken by surprise, he says. Now, there are some things, Peter would say, some things... You get it because you earned it. <laughs> Some things we do that are dumb and we deserve the consequences. He says, That's not, this is not what he's talking about. Some things we do and we, we earned what we're getting. But he says, this is the difficulties that come 
when you put Christian on the doorpost of your heart, expect a knock from an unannounced guest. Expect a knock from an unannounced guest when you put Christian on the hearth of your home, on the door of your home. Man, expect a knock. And who is that knock? He says, there, number two, there is a spiritual war for your souls and you have an adversary. Expect a visit from this guy. Because whenever you try to give God glory, Satan hates that. And he, he loves to attack people who say, God, I'm going to the store with Jesus. I want to purchase you something with my life to go up there to heaven and give you glory. And he says, man, I don't want any person or thing to give God glory. So Satan, he says, comes like a lion. And he is waiting to devour. Now, I wanted to paint a picture on that. In the ancient world, in shepherding, if they were moving sheep, from one mountain to the other mountain, they would have a shepherd in front and a shepherd behind most times. Maybe have some sheep dobs and another couple guys in the middle. But the shepherds would say, I don't have to worry so much about the sheep in the middle. It's the sheep that get ahead of the shepherd I have to worry about because I haven't gone across the hill to see what's on the other side. And it's the sick and weary and elderly sheep that often trail too far behind that I have to hurry up. And normally it's the sheep in the front and the sheep in the back that get eaten first, right? And he says, that's where he says, do you, where do you find yourself? Those who are not sheltered in the flock, those who find themselves straying away, those who are on the fringe of the flock often are the ones who are devoured first. So are you on the fringe or are you in the flock? Now you're in the, here today on a Sunday morning, so I know you're in the flock right now. But that's where we find ourselves. He says, there's a devouring lion coming. And he's looking for those who are on the fringe of the flock. Those who are getting ahead of the shepherd and those who are falling behind the shepherd. But let me tell you something. Those who are in the middle are safe in the shepherd. There are those who are safe in the shelter of the Almighty. They are with the shepherd. And he's saying, are you falling behind? He says, sober up those of you who are spiritually asleep. Those who are weak. Because you don't be surprised when this guy shows up. Because we have an adversary to our souls. And he says, what does he do? He sends tests and trials and tribulations. You know, Satan's looking for the weak and the weary saint to take by surprise. I haven't been praying so much in my prayer life. Expect a trial. Man, expect a trial when you're praying. But it really expect a surprise when you're weak and weary. When you haven't been in the Word and you haven't been uh, in your prayer life, expect to be taken off guard. Expect to be attacked because what does he do? Ask Job. He loves to send disaster. He loves to send difficulty. He loves to sow doubt with lives and half-truths. And whether by circumstance or people, he wants to tempt you to deny God's Word. Maybe it's a difficulty. Maybe it's a disaster. But in all those situations, what does he want? I'm going to throw this at them. They'll throw this problem in their life. And sometimes God allows it because he wants you to run to him and abide closer into the middle of the flock and closer under the wings of the shepherd. But he says, ah, maybe it's disaster. Maybe it's difficulty. And in that moment, he says, are you sure God loves you? Are you sure you're really saved? Are you sure God's going to heal you? Are you certain God's that good? Are you certain God's that faithful? And he begins to cast doubt. Why? Because he wants to put you in the fire that sends you to hell. He wants to throw you in this fire that he's going into himself. He wants to put you in hell. But Peter says, you know what? God is such a good God. And the fire that the devil meant for hell... 
for those who are in Christ, for those who go through this in Christ, Christ already went to hell for you. Christ's already been through the fire for you. And the fire that the devil meant to destroy you is a fire that's going to refine you to give God some glory in your life. You see, they say this too, the, the, the most hell a Christian will experience is right here and right now. This is the most hell you'll ever experience. But you may have to go through some hell on earth to get to heaven. But that fire that the devil meant to destroy you, if you are in Christ, can only refine you to give God some glory. Remember what Peter said in the first chapter? He says, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So what? That the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in the what? Praise and glory. You see, there's certain things that will be destroyed when they pass through the fire. For every single person who is in Christ, just like glory is like gold, the weight of its presence, what God, uh, Peter is saying is that those that are in Christ Produce something more weightier than gold. There is a refining of glory that when you go through circumstances and trials in your life, so long as you went to the store with Jesus, so long as you went down into the baptism of death and suffering with Jesus, so long as you went through that season, that situation in Christ, that refining of gold is actually a refining of glory. And you're getting more glory to give God and more glory to give God and more glory to give God. So when you get up to heaven, you can say, here, Dad, I got this for you. And Jesus is like, yes, we did that together. We did that together. Are you going through it with Jesus? Are you in Him? And that's the second point I want to make this morning. Number one is you're going to go through the fire. Number two, though, you need to get into Jesus. How do you gain glory? You can't do it on your own. You got to get into Jesus. You got to get into Jesus. You know, there was three Hebrew children that went through the fire and came out the other side. How did they do that? They went through it with Jesus. They went through that fire with Jesus. And Peter says for us in this chapter, he says, humble yourself. Humble yourself. What does that mean? Make yourself as small as possible. And I thought about that. Make yourself as small as possible. Because, you know, I'm powerless and penniless to purchase anything of value for God. My flesh isn't good enough. I can't preach good enough, pray good enough, fast long enough. I can't turn off enough TV. I can't do anything good enough. There's no good in me in my sinful nature, Paul says in Romans 6. There's nothing good in me. I have to only do everything I do through the Spirit. By faith in Christ. Everything has got to be purchased with Christ on my side and go into Him. And so I want to think about this. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, everything I'm doing, I'm carrying about in the body of the dying Jesus. So the life of Jesus may be manifested in my body. 2 Corinthians 4.10. Everything I'm doing, I'm doing in the dying body of Jesus. We talk about the crucified life. It's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son. He gave Himself for me. Paul says, everything I'm doing, I'm doing in this life in a dying, crucified Savior. I'm doing it in Jesus. You know, Ephesians says, put on the full armor of God. 
so you can recognize the schemes of the devil, so that you can know that this battle is not a carnal one, that you can know that you, when you put on the full armor of God, you're going to be able to extinguish fiery darts and arrows from the enemy. You're going to have a helmet of salvation, a breastplate of righteousness, a shield of faith, a belt of truth, shoes for the gospel of peace, a sword which is the spirit and the word of God. And he says, you put on Christ when you're going to go through the fire. Make sure you put on Christ when that lion comes at you, when the darts are flying at you. And I got to thinking about that. What size do I wear? What size do I wear? Oftentimes, I thought about the armor as in I apply it and I add it to myself. Because I had this, I put the armor on, strap the belt on, put the armor on, strap the belt on. I got to thinking about it. That armor is made for a certain person who wears a certain size. And Peter says, humble yourself. I got to think of it more like a wetsuit. You ever put on a wetsuit before? You got to slide into that thing, you know? You're going to have to get into it. And it better be your size because you ain't all going in, if you know what I mean. Not all of you is fitting. What if that armor doesn't fit? That means I need to work on my size. I think about David and Saul. Remember that story? Saul wants David to fight the battle for him because, of course, Saul's a fleshly man. He's a carnal man. He's a, 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 a man who works by the flesh. And Saul gives David his armor, and, and uh, David tries to put it on. It doesn't fit. It's too big. It's not the size that David. David is a man who is humbled of the Spirit of God. And David goes out there, not in this armor that's made for a fleshly man, but an armor that's made for a spiritual man. David went out armed up with humility. David went out armed up in the Spirit because David had an armor that was the right size, that was made for Jesus. And that doesn't mean it's all this natural man stuff that you can put on your life and look the part and sound the part and be the part. But when it comes to spiritual battles, you better do those in Christ. You better have the armor that is Christ, that you put on Christ, that you slide your life into Christ, that you fit into Christ. So he says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and then God will lift you up. And the glory is going to come because you have been in Jesus. And the battle's not yours, it says in Zechariah, but it's the Lord's. That's because you can't purchase anything of value with your life unless you're doing it in Christ. We can build the biggest church, we can have the best programs, we can send the most money overseas, but if we do it in the natural man, it is no way to value. It better be done in Christ. My wife and girls were home stuck with me this week in quarantine, and they made a ton of sugar cookies. I don't know why, there's only four of us in the house, but we fed about 50 people this week sugar cookies, the 49 of them being right here. And... And, uh, you know, in that, in that moment, that when our whole kitchen is covered in sugar cookies, there was all these uh, cut-to-fit items, you know, the cookie cutters. And that dough gets rolled across that, that, that table that we have. And all these shapes get cut out. Everything cut-to-fit stays in that cookie cutter. All the things that remain on the outside, thrown away. And everything that fit in that cookie cutter went into that oven through a process of refining of heat and fire. And it came out to my glory. Come on. It came out to my glory. What am I saying? Think of it that way. 
Christ might be the cookie cutter we all need to fit into. And everything that doesn't fit into Christ, I want it to be cut away and discarded because there's a refining process going to happen in Heath Harris's life. And everything in Christ is going to go through a fire of testing and refining, of suffering and dying with Christ to the crucifixion of self. And as God puts me through the heat of it, I'm going to go through it shaped into Christ. And I'm going to come out on the other side for God's enjoyment, for God's glory, and for His gain. You see, there's something that God wants to do in your life, and you need to be in Jesus. You need to let everything else pass away, and all things become new, because God wants to do something incredible with your life. He wants to take you to the bank where He took you to the cross and purchase something for you incomparable, incomprehensible, a weight that is extremely more valuable than you could ever think. And as you go to that place with Christ, you can be certain, I don't have to worry about the devil, because I I'm in Jesus. I ain't got to worry about that devouring lion because I'm safe in the flock. I don't got to worry about if I go through the fire because I'm cookie cut into Christ. I don't have to worry about those flaming arrows because I'm in the shelter of the Almighty. You see, we don't got to worry about that lion. He's already been taken care of. Am I cut to fit? I want to be cut. For those of you who are young, know what that means. I want to go through it in Jesus. This whole last month, I've been praying, God, I don't want anything outside of you. Take every thought captive. Everything that's not an emotion. I don't want any emotion outside of you. I don't want any feeling outside of you. I don't want any desires outside of you. I want everything to fit in that cookie cutter shape that is Jesus. I want to slide into the armor of God. I want to be in the middle of the flock where the shepherd is safe, where everything is safe with the shepherd. I want to be in the middle of Jesus. You see, he gives a greater grace, James says. God's opposed to the proud. He gives grace to the humble. So submit to, to God. Look at what he says. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. But really, it's not about just that. Resist the devil. No, 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 devil. I'm not going to be on the back of the flock or the front of the flock. I'm going drawing near to God. And as I draw near to God, God draws near to me. See, my focus is not on fighting something he already won. I'm focused on getting into Jesus. Lastly is this, you're going to gain some glory. You're going to go through the fire. You need to get into Christ so you can gain some glory. You want to purchase something for your father? You need to take Christ and you're going to go to that store and he's going to use his weight, his, his authority, his power, his name. He's going to purchase something for you, but you better go to that place with him. And what's going to happen? There's coming a day you're going to gain some glory. You see, the goal of the Christian life is to glorify God in all things because the glory is what I, I desire the most because there's a value of His presence. There's a weighty value of the presence of God. And, and if you're, a, you're not a Christian, you don't understand what in the world I'm saying. There's a value that's better than any amusement park, that's better than Disneyland, that's better than every country music concert you can go to on the weekend, that's better than going to the lotto, that's better than having the best food buffet you could ever have, it's better than being in the best relationship you can ever have, it's better than having kids, it's better than owning 100,000 houses and $100,000. It is a value of the presence of God. 
Just to have his presence when you wake up in the morning. Have his presence when you go down to sleep at night. Have his presence in the middle of testings and trials and tribulations. Have his presence when somebody's sick in your family. Have his presence on the best day and on the worst day when you put somebody into the ground. That's when you want his presence because there's nothing like his presence. And I love that I have his presence when I go to that place. Because he says, in the middle of this thing, just like I took my kids to Walmart, in the middle of purchasing something for your father, he says, you have the spirit of glory, Peter says, that rests upon you. I have the spirit of glory. I want to see him face to face. But right now, do you believe that? For every Christian, the Bible, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in you and he'll give life to your mortal body on that last day. The same Holy Spirit that was the Shekinah glory of God on the Mount of Moses. The same Shekinah glory that dwelt in the tabernacle, the temple uh, with Moses and then Solomon. That same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the mighty acts and wonders. That same Holy Spirit, the Bible says, by faith is in you. And he says, if the Spirit of glory is resting upon you. The spirit of glory is with us. So I know I'm not alone. I can experience his glory right here, right now. I can have his divine presence in the midst of every test and trial and in the middle of every good thing. I know I have a, uh, every bad thing. I know I have a good shepherd who gives me rest for my soul, who prepare, uh, prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies that I can feast on the worst days in his presence. There's a church that once knew that. The value of feasting in the presence of God. They didn't come to church for a show. They didn't come to church to sing three songs and hear a good pick-me-up sermon and go home and live their most carnal life. They knew the value of feasting in the presence of God, even in the middle of their enemies because they knew they had the spirit of glory right now. And as even though I know it, I have it right now, we are going to see it face to face. The Bible says you're going to press on to behold his glory unfiltered. I love what 2 Corinthians says, and I close with this. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, this inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction, it's producing for us, and listen to this, an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. I've got something better than riches and gold. I got something right here that is being refined. And as I'm in Christ, man, I just want to say, God, I know I'm going through it right now. Maybe you're going through it right now. But do you know that you're refining something? He's refining something in this process with you. He's going, you're going to the bank with Jesus. And he's taking out something he's going to give to you so that you can give to your Father. And he's going to step back and watch this whole process. When you get up there to heaven, you're going to lay it down at his feet. And you're going to say, God, look what I've got for you. And God's going to glory in you. And you're going to glory in God. And Jesus is going to glory in the whole thing. Because we finally made it, church. You're going to make it. He's already, this is the most hell you're ever going to go through. And you're going through it in Christ. And the spirit of glory is with you. And just a little while longer, we're going to see him from glory to glory, face to face. That's our eternity. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning? This morning, maybe you are going through it.
If you've been going through it, I just want to encourage you this morning. Go through it in Jesus. Go through it in Jesus. Maybe today, God is just going to do a reality check with you. And maybe that armor has not been fitting. Sometimes that, our head might be a little too big to fit into that helmet. Sometimes things need to be trimmed away like those cookie cutter things. And God wants to do a refining moment in you. Maybe you've been on the fringe of the flock and Jesus is calling you deeper to abide with him. Where are you at today, church? Are you into Jesus? Have you slid your life into Jesus? Have you found yourself cut away from the things of this world and abiding in Jesus? Are you going through the fire and Jesus in him and through him and for him? Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and if you were to die today, you say, Pastor Heath, I don't know where I would spend eternity. Do you have a confident hope? Is the Spirit of God, that Spirit of glory, do you know that you have that Spirit? Is it resting in you? The Bible says that you'll be born again, made alive in Christ. Nicodemus, he said, I don't understand how this works. How can a person be made twice? How can it be born again? And Jesus, it's, like, it's just like the wind blows. You can't understand it. You, you can only feel it. You can only sense it. You can see the effects of it. But that's what it's going to be like. The Holy Spirit's going to come into your life and something new is going to happen. It's going to be from a new sense, a, a spiritual sense. And you're going to sense something is different. You're going to be alive and you're going to sense that the old things have passed away and something new has come. And you're going to feel the breath of the Holy Spirit begin to move and direct your life. And you're going to know that you can cry out, Abba, Father. You're going to know that Jesus has saved you, that He is Lord of your life, and He's going to begin to move you to look like Him. Not something you can do on your own. This is not a work of man. This is a work of the Spirit of God. And if you've been going through religious works, I'm sorry, my friend, but that's not good enough. There's nothing we could ever do to please God. You've got to go through this by the Spirit of God moving you, convicting you, directing you. His work in your heart. His work changing your nature. And that's this moment right now. I just want every head bowed, every eye closed. And that's you. I don't know how long you've been in church or not, but that is the moment we want to have right now. And I'm going to invite our elders just to be available around the front. And if anyone needs prayer in the next few moments, these altars are open. But if you need to make it right with Jesus, you need to know that you know that you're saved and you need that born-again relationship with Christ, I invite you to come and let one of these elders pray with you. Or maybe today you are going through the fire. The devil's been attacking you. Feels like everything's all around you is falling apart. Maybe it's by warfare in your mind. Maybe it's your emotions, your heart. Maybe it's relational issue. Maybe just disaster is it come all around you and the enemy's just trying to get you down. We are here for you. Jesus is here with you. You're not doing this thing alone, and we're just going to lift you up this morning. We're just going to declare in the middle of our enemies, we have a God who is faithful, a God who is always good. And so right now, would you come? If that's you, you need prayer this morning on anything you're going through in your life. I just want you to come find a, a place across this front. And then we're just going to lift you up. And the rest of us, we're just going to begin to worship. And we're going to begin to allow the Lord to move in this place just for the next few moments. Can we just do that, church, all across this room? Can you just glory in Christ? Can you just worship the Lord? Can you let out a shout of praise on how good your God is? Can you just begin?